everyone, and welcome to The Propcast. My name is Louisa Dickens, co-founder of LMRE and board director of the UKPA, and I shall be your weekly host. Each week for 30 minutes, we'll be connecting the VCs, prop tech startups, and real estate professionals globally, and assist in bridging that famous communication gap we all love talking about. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Propcast. Today, we're fortunate enough to be joined by Miguel Nagora. Welcome to Miguel. Hi, Lisa. Uh, thanks for uh, having us today. No, pleasure. I'm glad you could join us. Miguel Nagora is a principal on the strategic advisory team at Fifth World, where he drives innovation and value creation transformations with startups and corporate partners in Europe. Fifth Wall is the largest venture capital firm focused on the global real estate industry and property technology for the built world. Prior to joining Fifth Wall, Miguel worked at McKinsey for over nine years in the Madrid and London offices. As part of the digital practice, he led teams across Europe in numerous real estate engagements. He was also a business development and strategy manager at Fon Wireless, which is the largest Wi-Fi network in the world. Miguel started his career at the Coca-Cola company and Diageo. And Miguel is originally from Madrid, but currently lives in London. He received his BA in Business Administration and Finance in Madrid, but also holds an MBA from Columbia Business School in New York. So that's a sort of summary of Miguel, a fairly impressive track <laughs> record. Um, wow. <laughs> it's incredible. It seems to me that you went through my entire life in uh, two minutes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's... Uh, just a little quick yeah, sum up warm up the audience so they sort of know who, who they're listening to. But look, Miguel, before we kickstart the interview, which I can't wait to do, let's start off with a few warm-up questions. Okay. Originally from Madrid, okay, cool. living in London, who's your favorite football team? I'm actually a huge Real Madrid fan. So I'm a member <laughs> of Real Madrid, actually. I've been a member for over 15, 20 years. And oh. basically, like Real Madrid, it's, it's a member-owned club. I don't think there are that many in the UK. Mm. But yeah, so I'm a huge Real Madrid fan, a member. Try to travel with the team. Any, in any occasion, I have the uh, last trip organized I had was to, to Manchester, actually, for the Champions League game that never happened because of COVID. So... Oh, God. I remember um, one of my friends actually sells tickets for these sort of games. And I can't believe that the, ma- the price some of these tickets go for. It's literally just astonishing. But I guess anyone who's pitching to you, you know, Miguel likes Real Madrid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about your... Okay. We're, we're, in, we're in tech. What's your favorite gadget? Or, you know, whether it's like an iPhone or maybe like a product that you, an app uh... you use on your phone? I try to buy like I, I I try to avoid buying a lot of stuff. I, I used to buy way more stuff. If if I were to say like the latest two things that I bought was an an electric scooter. Now that we need to try to commute to work and 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 travel around London without taking the tube, I've I recently bought a scooter. And then I have a drone that I pretty much like, I'm trying to learn how to fly, but I take my drone on holidays. I haven't mastered it yet, but I'll keep trying basically. (laughs) Well, it's perfect time to try in summer. Okay. And during this, I guess we have listeners from around the world, but right now it is bloody hot in London. What's your favorite, what's your favorite drink on the weekend? Probably I'd say like a Bloody Mary. I like my um, Bloody Mary with, with friends over like brunch on a, on a Saturday or Sunday morning. That's probably my preferred go-to drink, yeah. 
Yeah. Bloody Mary's I actually go to when I'm slightly hungover, but it is a lovely <laughs> drink. Okay. <laughs> okay. Awesome, Miguel. Well, look, um, let's kickstart with this interview. I guess I, I'd love to learn, love and to learn more about how is Biff Wool's activity going in Europe? You know, well, you've been extremely busy. I guess, what are you guys working on? Yeah, yeah, so obviously, I mean, we've been, so I joined Fitball in Europe uh, a bit more than a year and a half ago, mostly to work with our LPs in Europe. So we're lucky to have a few LPs that are, are based out of Europe, mostly the UK, France and uh, Spain. But obviously, like in the, in the last few months, obviously, COVID plays a big part of anything that any company is doing. Obviously, initially, like thinking about how to navigate the crisis, adapt mm-hmm. to the working from home, like new, new normal, making sure that everyone was safe and okay. And once that was over, that to be honest, was a couple of weeks. We have been extremely busy, probably more busy than ever, working with our LPs. And like by, by what I guess by talking to other people, I think everyone is probably on the same spot, right? Um, basically, LPs are accelerating their innovation journeys, things that before might take six months, now are taking in some cases one or two months. So extremely busy talking to our LPs in some cases on a daily basis, supporting them on how to think about the new normal. So at the beginning was a bit helping them being a good citizen and trying to share as much information as possible around what was happening around the platform, how other LPs were thinking about the same problems when you were thinking about reopening. Uh, real estate. And now that the situation seems a bit more stabilized, obviously helping them think through what's next in terms of tech and, and, and how they can basically accelerate their innovation journey. So exciting times, <laughs> a lot of work and probably learning how to navigate the working from home lifestyle without hurting your personal life, right? So yeah. uh, uh, struggling like everyone, I guess, looking forward to go to the office, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's definitely a fine balance between that. So I guess a lot of your role is like educating and like, I guess, reassuring and supporting your sort of LPs, which must be quite constant as well. Um, I'm sure they have like a lot to learn. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so we do a lot of work with our LPs across different like support lines to some extent or, or to different uh, type of support. But Mostly, I will say around three three big blocks or uh, pieces of work. The first one being making sure that, that, that we provide the right insights, trends, and access to everything that is happening on the technology market around prop tech, but also around new business models and innovation. Yeah. Um, the second main activity is helping LPs execute on some of these uh, strategies and, and advising them on the best way to do that. Picking the right technology is only 50% of the job. The other 50% is actually think about how to execute, think about the different go-to-market models and trying to learn from, from the best uh, case studies out there and, and the experience that we have in the Fitful platform. And then three, and, and, and foremost, is we are lucky to have 54 of the largest uh, real estate owners, operators, brokers in the world. So it's making sure that we, we extract the uh, maximum value out of that global consortium and we create some, as we call them, intellectual economies of scales between our LPs. Yeah, that's, that's quite some sort of LP sort of list. Wow. Um, uh, so out of your, which your portfolio companies are sort of active in Europe? Obviously, I think it's a few years ago, you, you, you guys invested in sort of a peer here. You know, 
you know, are there any other ones in your portfolio which are active? Yeah, so there's so there's over probably like 10 companies that are to some degree either present or active in Europe. Some of them are running um, pilots and confidential work with our LPs that unfortunately I won't be able to disclose. But there's obviously a peer here that is based out of London. Yeah. Uh, we are also investors in Lime, uh, yeah. the uh, mobility company, which is obviously based across multiple markets in Europe. I've used Lime um, on every sort of um, European city break that I've gone on. I absolutely love them. <laughs> That's great. Like, to be honest with you, I was looking forward to to get Lime in London, the scooters, and hopefully I wouldn't need to use my own scooter. Like there were news out there that the UK or the London government in this case is going to spend around was like 200 million, something like that. Or yeah, it might be even bigger than that, like on mobility around London to turn London around and 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 like basically like find new ways of, of mobility and more sustainable ways of mobility. So exciting times for Lime for sure. And then, I mean, there's other companies that are either have offices in London, like VTS or yeah. Wired Score. And there's also companies based out of Europe. So Anyvision, which is one of our recent investments, it's, it's a company out of Israel that has offices in the US, but also local teams in a few of the European countries that they're uh, working on. And obviously, Combine, the, the workplace as a service operator, has announced recently their plans to launch a their their first European basically building out of 22 Bishops Gate in, uh, in the yeah. city, which is also very exciting. That'd be that'd be quite something. Their product is it. I've, the way I say it, it's like the four seasons of the office of the office world. It's it's incredible. I've been into the offices in New York, but yeah, it'll be in be interesting to see how they I guess what they create in London but I guess that that sort of side I've been reading obviously just in general and um, sustainability is on a lot of businesses funds agendas you know FIFA have been very active in that space you know why I guess why are you guys uh, specifically interested um, in that trend and how do you real estate operators sort of think about it as well yeah, so so look, I think anything that has to do with ESG, sustainability, carbon impact emissions, circular economy are topics that are very, very exciting for real estate. The, I, I believe this is the next biggest trend for the real estate world, right? And, and the reason being is that basically 40% of all global emissions are coming from real estate, right? And what that data leads to is a remarkable fact that is as a consumer, investor, business leader, the single largest impact we can have towards mitigating climate change are the choices we make around real estate. Things like where we live, where we work, where we spend our free time and the carbon footprint of the building is where those activities take place. So that basically raises the question of like, what is the real estate industry going to do about it? And, and, and what is the impact that we can actually have on sustainability and the climate change yeah. by adopting technology and new innovations in the real estate world, right? So there are multiple forces in the market that are shaping this. There's obviously regulators that are enacting legislation that uh, specifically targets real estate. I'm sure you've seen the uh, New York's Climate Mobilization Act yeah. and the LA Green New Deal that, uh, that was passed a, a bit more than a year ago now. But you will also see investors having clear mandates to preferentially deploy capital into companies or assets that are 
sustainable, right? And there's obviously the the a few examples there with uh, work coming from BlackRock, APG, a few of the Nordic banks. So there's multiple investors out there that are starting to think at this space as a relevant space, and then. Obviously, for customers and tenants, they're starting to to beginning to demand low carbon performance from their landlords, right? If you think about COVID and the impact that that could have in real estate, it's basically a way to prove some of the risks that a lot of people were mentioning that will impact real estate, right? Before you to assess outside of, I don't know, if you're aware and after the uh, wildfires, from the last few years, you obviously meant what disruption could be for your business, right? So you could clearly understand what that meant. Probably COVID has created the the uh, impact or, or has basically brought to life a few of the things that were on everyone's agenda, but maybe people couldn't believe or, or couldn't like see that close. I think now that like uh, sustainability, it's going to be at the front and center of any discussion at real estate moving forward. So we're obviously pretty active, pretty busy looking at the space, identifying trends and advising our LPs on how to best deal with, with this problem and play an active role in the space rather than uh, reacting to to what others uh, can ask them to do, right? Yeah. Well, I guess watch this space and what's the what's sort of to come. So I guess other trends that outside of sustainability, you know, what, what, what are you seeing in tech, I guess, post sort of COVID, you know, everyone's saying the, you know, tenant engagement, that's going to have a massive impact, like flex sort of office, you know, what, whether it's landlords and tenants are all looking for, what trends, I guess, are you seeing? I guess the one thing is before getting into the actual trends, and I can answer that question in a minute, is there's a lot of people thinking about or talking about what's the new normal, what are the new trends. I personally don't believe there are any new trends. There are trends that are being basically accelerated and mm. and and some of the things that you would expect to see in the next three years probably have happened in the in a in a three month period, right? And in some cases even shorter than that. And there's some trends that were already happening that, that will just accelerate or or decelerate, right? So things that were important before might not be that important so that people will focus on, on, on really key priorities and a smaller set of priorities and things that were probably down the list are, are, are now coming up. But, but to your question about uh, what are the top things that we're seeing out there, obviously flexible space and, and flexible solutions are uh, top of the list and this has been a trend for a long time now, but I, I don't see why that it's, it's going away. If anything, I believe that office owners and operators are going to need to find more flexible ways of managing the space and uh, new entrants will have advantages versus traditional landlords that might uh, not be able to move as fast. In a world where COVID will pose challenges on how you operate the spaces, mm-hmm. Landlords may need to look at external partners to help them with some of the operations, but also to bring hospitality-like capabilities to the office space, right? Because the, the landlords and the tenants are gonna are gonna need to provide those services for final for final uh, consumers, right? So we're gonna yeah. need to convince people that they can come back to the office as a safe environment. Obviously, you mentioned a few like like point solutions or like uh, concrete trends being affected by COVID, obviously like digital tenant engagement across like 
asset classes, yeah. uh, remote viewings for the brokerage space, but also for uh, people trying to lease their um, assets faster, uh, touchless access control and visitor management to uh, ensure security and try to remove some of the pressure from the facility management team and, and the reception desks. And then obviously, like COVID impacted technologies like cleaning solutions. So in a world where you will need to clean, deep clean spaces uh, a few times a day, robotic solutions could definitely be uh, helpful, especially for places like malls, airports, big um, industrial assets. Yeah. Air quality, so anything that has to do with monitoring the quality of the air and, and, and managing the risk of, of the virus transmission in, in closed space. And then anything that, that has to do with the, the uh, digitization and automation of processes, right? In a world where you should expect people to come back to the office, but maybe work from home uh, a few days a week, companies that don't have really streamlined, digitized and uh, automated process and that can rely on data to take decisions without being in the office, are going to have a hard time. So yeah. I'll, I'll expect corporates to adopt some of these technologies at scale in some cases. Yeah. Well, also, hopefully, sooner rather than later. So I guess there's good things that have come out of this. Like you talked about sort of acceleration, accelerated sort of take up. And for some of these prop techs, that can only mean sort of good news. But there's probably going to be a few losses or businesses you can't, I guess, survive during this and probably maybe a bit more accelerated M&A. There's, there's, obviously, the space is huge, but there's, you know, it's sort of survival of the fittest. And I reckon some of the larger ones might swallow up the less developed or funded businesses. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, obviously, there's going to be winners and losers due to the crisis. Anyone that is fortunate enough to raise capital before uh, the crisis happened or have a, a robust business to either operate with a like better unit economics, not burning cash, or have a robust partnership model where you can mm. rely on, on big contracts, big corporates will obviously be uh, benefited. And then, yes, there, 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 there could be an M&A boom to some extent. However, I will say like PropTech is a relatively new space, uh, especially in, in Europe. So the likelihood of seeing big M&A moves will probably be lower than in more mature markets like the U.S. or um, Asia. Yeah, well, I guess that sort of ties in quite well with the next sort of question. If we're looking at comparisons between the U.S. and Europe, well, what is the exact sort of difference in sort of scale type of investment? I, I just often see investment in the U.S. being higher than it is over in sort of Europe. Is that the case? Am I just sort of you know, reading about Notel sort of before Christmas raising 400 million and being wowed by it. Um, what's the sort of difference? No, I think so. I think that's totally spot on. I think that's right. So Europe accounts for probably around, I mean, it depends on, on, on the source you pick, but somewhere between 5 to 7% of all PropTech BC deployments in 2019. Yeah. Um, that was about 2 billion, around uh, like 250 deals, more or less. It is a very exciting period to be in Europe because that 2019 figures uh, basically were a record year and they represented around a 20% year-on-year growth versus 2018, right? So we expect to see that growth happening also in 2020 
if you look at Q1 before the whole COVID happened, you could already see a lot of activity and some like big deal happening. Mm. But it's true that the European market in terms of the scale and the size of the companies and the deals, it's relatively small uh, compared to the to the US. To give you a few figures there is probably the average deal size in Europe, it's somewhere between eight to 10 million. So that's probably four or five times smaller than the US. Yeah. But with our experience of like football basically having our global coverage, we are lucky to see like what is happening around the world in real time. And we also have the experience of the evolution by investing from our real estate fund one and two, mostly in the US, right? So Europe is following a trend very similar to the one that the uh, US followed probably three to four years behind in terms of growth and technology. Yeah. But we see Europe as the next big opportunity, right? We're experiencing most of the same trends in terms of actual technologies, actual verticals, actual startups being interesting. We obviously have the learnings from, from what has worked, but has not worked. So we believe we are in a, in a good position to, to be in this market and to advise our LPs. But then from a corporate point of view, the needs that an um, office owner, for example, has in New York, LA, Tokyo, Singapore, or London, or Paris, to be honest, are pretty much the same. There are not that many differences. So we believe that the corporate demand will, it's, 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 it's going to be growing. There's obviously some global players that will be driving that demand and, and, and taking some of the trends from the US to Europe. But it's very exciting times from a yeah. both a corporate point of view, but also from a startup point of view. Yeah. And also great for you to be sort of involved in it and sort of really sort of leading, leading the way. And maybe I guess we're sort of circa four years behind the US right now, but with sort of COVID, maybe we could tighten that gap to around two years over the next sort of, I don't know, next couple of years. Who knows? But Sounds like we have good things to look forward to, which I think everyone sort of needs to, everyone needs to sort of hear about and that things will sort of pick up. What about, okay, so are there any sort of tech companies to look out for in the next sort of couple of years? You obviously spoke about sort of air quality as a, well, any sort of preference in that or thoughts? So, so, so rather than talking probably about specific companies, I can probably, so so to my point about like the three, four years behind, probably I can dig a bit, deep, uh, dig a bit deeper on that. So yeah. um, we expect probably to see in Europe what we call PropTech 2.0 or PropTech 3.0 to happen, right? So PropTech 2.0, it's a bit more like B2B models across like asset classes. If you look at the PropTech market today in Europe, the uh, residential space is obviously over-indexed, right? If you compare to other verticals, we expect new companies, new startups also serving the industrial and logistics space, also working on the hospitality and retail spaces and also in offices. Mm. So, and then basically tech-enabled opco-propco models, things like co-working, co-living, ghost kitchens, vertical storage, stuff like that, that are like pretty mature in the U.S. are not that mature in Europe will obviously um, increase the uh, relative importance in the market, right? And then there are a set of proven technologies around how to digitize physical buildings and operations and and data and analytics that obviously will keep 
will keep evolving and where we are uh, seeing very exciting opportunities, right? And then probably if you think about what's the next level, what's the 3.0, there are more, let's say, next generation technologies that are gaining importance in real estate, right? So things like artificial intelligence, uh, machine mm. learning, uh, virtual reality, 3D printing, uh, blockchain, advanced robotics. So all of those things that are pretty much uh, trends that are coming from other industries will gain importance in, in Europe also, right? But just to give you a sense, we track over 120 themes and probably around 200 some themes in terms of like PropTech and innovation around the built world. So uh, (laughs) it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick a few. There's like, like so many interesting opportunities, so many interesting verticals that we're looking at that if anything, it's, it's the golden age of, of uh, real estate technology. But I also, I've, this is, well, I'm so, I know I'm on the recruit, the recruiting side of it, but I just, I learn something different every single day. I learn about a whole new vertical, which I originally went to the classifiers, property technology or built environment innovation. Like the thought, when someone mentioned ghost kitchens to me about a year ago, I was like, what on earth is that? Like, and I just couldn't get my head around <laughs> it. And now like, I keep changing my mind. I'm like, wait, no, they're really onto something. And then, yeah, it's, it's interesting because no one can exactly ima- reimagine what I guess the future real estate looks like, but I- I'm quite excited for it. I really am. Is there, is there a company out there which you, I guess you wish you to invest in? This can be like a personal thing, not from like a fifth wall is, and it could be, it could be in any sort of industry. Um, Don't say Uber. <laughs> so, so I was, I was actually, so I'm going to turn the question around. I was actually reflecting yesterday on like, like this is a great opportunity. It's basically a once in a lifetime opportunity to take stock of the work that everyone has been doing in recent years and try to rethink about the future. Right. So I was doing this exercise myself of, if I were to put myself in like one year from now and look back, what are the things that I will regret not having done? And obviously as an advisor and as an investing person, you tend to think on actual companies, actual opportunities, but thinking a bit more strategically, I think that this is the way and, 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 and probably addressing the entire audience of this podcast, right? So like owners, operators, people on the startup side, investors, people on on services around real estate and real estate technology. I think there's, there's, this is the perfect time to actually accelerate technology adoption and to launch new business models, right? I think if anything, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to do so. And it is also a great opportunity to, to rethink your business model and focus on the important stuff, right? So focus on your unit economics if you're a startup, focus on, on building a competitive advantage if you're a corporate, focus on staying closer, more closer than ever to your clients if you are mm. an advisor and hopefully build new relationships. And also as an industry to build, as, as we discussed in the, in, the, in the beginning of the conversation, uh, to focus a, around more sustainable business models, right? So can, how can real estate change to adopt technology and sustainability and innovation at scale to be ready for the future? So more than actually thinking about a concrete company or startup, I think that we will all regret not having taken the right steps 
yep. to um, set up our businesses for success in the future, right? This is the right time to do it. I completely agree with you. How I sort of end most podcasts and I look, have you got any sort of parting bit of advice you can share the audience, but those few steps and pieces of advice you just gave, I think a lot of people will be taking pen to paper and noting it down. I, for one, have Elmari. We've restructured our business. We've been kind of doing a lot of those things you just mentioned about keeping close to your clients, communication, but also looking at different ways of engaging with the audience around the world. I never thought I'd be doing a podcast, but here I am talking to you. But it's like there's loads <laughs> of things which you need to look, look at. And yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Every single conversation I'm having is being more sort of optimistic. And I, yeah, I think everyone needs to rethink the way they've been sort of operating and very good things will come of it. I guess that brings us to the end of the episode, sadly. I'd like to thank you so much for, for coming on, Miguel. It sounds like Fifth will be extremely busy and it's, we're looking forward to, I guess, seeing what's next. Is there anything you'd like to share or where the listeners can best sort of connect with you? No, thank you very much for um, inviting us. I think it's, it's, always great to discuss what are the topics that are by, are like shaping the industry, what are some of the future trends. So more than happy to, to do this again in the future if you want to invite us again or, or you end up doing a bigger series or conferences, who knows, like on, on your point about changing the business model. So in terms of how to connect, I think, look, the, our marketing team does an amazing job on, on, on basically making sure that people stays connected with the environment. So... Yeah. I'm going to recommend that anyone that wants to learn more about Fitbull, follow us on Twitter, social media, like Instagram, LinkedIn. We post really relevant and interesting insights on our YouTube channel. So and willing to know to more. Watch. Exactly. So anyone willing to know more and, 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 and dig deeper in some of the trends, we post a lot of content on our YouTube uh, channel. And then obviously we share weekly or bi-weekly information on our newsletter. So anyone willing to subscribe can do that through the people website. Okay, brilliant. Well, plenty of platforms to sort of connect with you from and also, also learn about this space. But look, thank you again for joining us on the podcast, Miguel, and looking forward to catching up soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you for joining us this week on the podcast and a big thanks to our special guests. Make sure you visit our website, www.lmre.co.uk, where you can subscribe to our show or you'll find us on iTunes and Spotify, where all good content is found. Whilst you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate it if you could rate and review us on iTunes or if you simply just spread the word. Be sure to tune in next Tuesday and I'll catch you later. You're listening to a podcast company podcast. This was made by Podcast Syndicator, where we help you go from start to grow to making money with your podcast. Let us help you share your message and your voice with the world. Reach out now, Jason at podcastsyndicator.com or Brett at podcastsyndicator.com to find out more. Thank you for listening and do come back to hear nothing but the best podcasts.